0: When I was uh, growing up, I was a little bit fascinated, like most of you, with various parts of the body. And when I was a teenager, I looked at my dad and I observed different things about him. My dad had a fairly large nose. He did, he had a pretty large nose. He's a good-looking guy, but he, you know, he had a pretty large nose. Uh, he always had all of his hair, you know? I mean, he like when he died, he still had a lot of hair on his head. I kind of hope that I get that, right? I think I still have that, because when I go to get my hair cut, they talk about the fact that, you know, I've still got quite a bit of hair. I'm getting the hairline and so forth, you know, receding hairline. But But one of the interesting things about my dad and one of the interesting things about me is uh, my dad had small hands. Mine are even smaller. Put your hand up for a moment. Just put your hand up. Take a look at it. Now, just put your, look at this. Just go to your, look at this. Oh boy, Melissa, look at this right here. Look at that. See, Dwayne, to worse my hand. Melissa, ooh, we have about the same size hands. Small hands, right? Yeah, I got a small hand. Do you have a big hand? Steve, you have a big hand? I think you, Steve, you have a big hand. Steve's an airline mechanic. I, I bet he's got calloused hands. We can tell a lot of things about someone's hand. Look at this. I've, I haven't really looked at your hands. Look at that huge compared to me. And he's got callus. His hands fairly rough. You can feel that. You feel my hands. Guess what? They're soft. You know. I mean, it's an embarrassment, right? It's an embarrassment. All men want tough, calloused hands and all this kind of thing. It's true. I think it's true for me. When I was uh, in high school, I played water polo. And they, um, I had, yeah, well, this, this is the problem. This is the problem. I have this friend, Dave Weymouth. And Dave Weymouth would always tell me, well, he'd remind me that I had small hands. Because, you know, the ball would come, and I couldn't really grasp it. Right, it was really very difficult to water. I was bad enough at basketball, trying to grasp that basketball, and and so forth. And and I remember when I was uh, in eighth grade, I was supposed to actually ninth grade. I was supposed to play quarterback, and I had this, you know, this, I just wasn't that good holding the ball. Um, but my friend Dave Weymouth in water polo in high school, he always referred to me as Little Paws. That was the nickname, the Little Paws. It's like, man, you know. And, and I guess it made if I was going to be a surgeon, that would have been great to have these little hands. But I want us to think about hands for a moment because hands tell us a lot about an individual. If your hands are callous, you probably work, you know, in the trades, probably. Or you've done some work there, right? If your hands are kind of like mine, they're soft, so forth, maybe that means that you're a, a student, Maybe you've. Maybe you're. A, maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a pastor. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're. I don't know. You have. And and here we go. You have piano hands. Of course you do. Of course you do. You just have hands. You just have hands. Okay. All right. All right. Um, it's always fascinating to me that God refers to His hand or His hands. Right. The right hand of God. The right hand of God is that which his will comes through. I wonder what God's what you I wonder if if I was to ask you to imagine God's hand coming down through the ceiling and coming into this place. I wonder what that hand would look like. What would it look like to you? Would it be calloused? Would it be a small hand? Probably not. It be a huge hand, gigantic hand coming in. Yeah, really big hand. Um, it's really important for us to look for the hand of God. We had a memorial service here yesterday. And I'm telling you, I preached the gospel, I preached the good news of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of those people heard that message. Hope a lot did. But in myself, I can say, hey, you know, where are they? I mean, I preached a message that should have brought people to church in this culture. But the church today, if you think about it, doesn't seem to have much of the hand of God on it. It doesn't seem that way. I don't know how your what your view is, but it seems as though the hand of God, in some measure, at least in our culture, in our nation, is somehow being lifted. I, this is actually really serious business, um, and it's something. That I, the reason I, I decided to talk about this this morning is because I think God's calling His people to pray about this. I can preach a message and people will listen to it and the next thing you know, they walk out the door and they never return. Um, We are such a distracted culture and we have learned to love our cell phones, learned to love our Facebook. I'm not against some of these things. Don't get me wrong. I have a cell phone. I have a Facebook account. I don't use it very much but we've learned to love so many things that really believe that the hand of God is being removed, that he is removing his hand from our nation. It's been going on for a long time. I remember seeing, I'm, I'm sharing some personal stuff with you. I remember when I was in college, my closest friend in college was my cousin. His name was Bob. I loved Bob. I loved him like he was my brother. Bob became a Christian during that time. Bob's not a Christian today. My brother was one of the most influential persons in my life in my coming to Jesus Christ. My brother Loved Jesus. He's not a Christian today. What's happening? I'm going to tell you right now that for 11 years, next month will be 11 years I've been here, for 11 years I've been preaching the gospel in this place. I'm sure the preachers before me were fantastic. They were great. All I can give you is my own testimony. 11 years preaching the gospel in this place. Where are those people that used to be here? Some of them are with Jesus now, some are long gone. Others were here yesterday. They were here. But where are they? Now maybe I'm just not that good of a preacher, maybe they maybe I don't love them enough or something maybe there's something in me, maybe I'm the problem, I don't know. But I think the issue is bigger than that. I don't actually don't think it's about me. I think it has something to do with the hand of God lifting off our culture. You know where the hand where the hand of God is is really really you know where God's really putting his hand? China. It's in difficult places in the world where God is moving in significant, magnificent ways. We love our phones. We love our computers. We love all the things that just distract us continuously. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Why do people come to church in our culture? Why do they? What's the point? I mean, you don't need to come here, right? Because you can have your community online. So why would you bother? If you stay at home, you can go online and you can find whatever you want to meet your own little need. You can stay, stay in a nice, safe place. Relationships are difficult. Why would you do that now, I think we need to realize that we are in a difficult culture there's there's a there's a friend of mine who is a uh, I'll just share I'll just share it with um, well some of you know him Dave Ness not a real close friend but he's more of an acquaintance Dave Ness he was here for about nine months before I came here interim you know he went to uh, he ended up going to a church in North Seattle you know what he told me and he is a great preacher. I mean, I think he puts me to shame, personally. I think he's a wonderful, wonderful man of God and preaches very eloquently. Calls people to, a sal- to salvation in Christ. Godly man. He told me that in the last eight years, his church has been cut in half. His church, the church he pastors in North Seattle. And I guarantee you, it's not because of what He's doing. It's because our culture is slipping. There's 85, 86 Nazarene churches in this district. We're losing about 200 people every year. They're just leaving the church. They're just not coming back. Because the culture is winning. And I believe that the hand of God is being moved away from us. Now, for those who are faithful, there's always a remnant. It's always those who are faithful and true, and we'll and and continue to pray and be faithful in our lives. But I think that there's some real danger here. And I mentioned this, I'm I, I talking about this this morning because I'm looking around, and I, honestly, I mean, I love all of you, and this is, I mean, I love all of you. But be honest, honestly, after 11 years, this pew should be filled up. I think. I think they should be. I don't think it's about me. Please correct me if I'm wrong. You know, if afterwards you go, Paul, you don't understand. It, you know, remember what John Harden said to you a long time ago? This is my buddy back in, 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 uh, up at Auburn. He said, they're laughing at you, not with you. Okay? Oh, thanks, John. But I, think, I don't think it's about me, though. I think it's something that God is doing in our nation. I think he's expecting us to go after him. The hand of God is not so easy to find anymore. It's not so easy to see. The hand of God is hard to see. I think, it, I think it's very much like the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2. So turn turn to uh, Revelation chapter 2. I think this is what we're experiencing. I know many of you know this passage and know it well. But I think something is going on i think this is this is very much like our culture like our like the church in the united states there's so much good teaching going on in the united states there's so many good preachers you can go and listen to so many podcasts you go on the radio you can you can hear people preach all the time you can even hear me preach and so forth there's so much good stuff going on i mean it's incredible the amount of teaching that we have if we can get this stuff right if we just decide to focus and do it we can begin to understand the gospel our lives can be touched our minds can be changed we can be transformed in in our minds we can think like jesus and all this It's, it's all there available for us but there's something wrong something wrong in our nation we need to own up to it that there is something wrong in our nation and there is something wrong in kalama because the church is not strong and healthy in kalama just not I don't know if it ever has been, but it's not. I mean, 80, 90, that's a good Sunday, right? If we have 90 people here. I know there's other churches, but if we have 90 people here, that's a good Sunday. How many people live in the Kalama area? Yeah, it's even more than that, like in the area. I mean, I don't know, but we're, we're scratching the surface, right? Anyway, uh, and this is, not a, this is not a message against us. I'm just trying to get us to think about what we're really dealing with here. Uh, every time I go to district assembly, we always hear the same thing. We're losing people, we're losing people, we're losing people, okay? And I know it's true with all the denominations, most of them, almost all of them. But I think it has something something to do with us, something to do with us. Chapter two in Revelation, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. These are faithful people, at least outwardly. They're doing the right thing outwardly. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. So they're doing the right thing. Bad people come into the church, and they have a way of dealing with them. I'm sure that they, you know, they're not just kicking them out but they know how to deal with problem people, and problem people do come into churches. And then Ephesus, the problem people, and by the way, Ephesus is a church that Paul, Paul spent like three years there. He put Timothy in that in that spot. I mean, this is a this is a very significant church in the, uh, in, the, in the first century. It says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, Jesus is watching, you see, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, because there are people who come along and say, look, I've got this word from God I, I, I'm going to help you out i'm going to help your ministry i'm going to make your ministry a little more effective i'm going to be you know I'm, you just just put me in charge of this or that or the other thing and you're going to see that wherever you, you put me I'm, things are going to happen because God's given me the gift of apostleship to to gather people around by the way what's what apostleship is right it's being the one' it's being who's sent out the word apostle means to be sent and so I'm going to give you the gift of you know I have the gift of apostleship. God's sending me here to establish a ministry and to teach and to help your people. The church knew how to deal with those people because oftentimes they were not apostles. Because look what it says here. I've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. You know how to do that. You understand when someone comes in and is teaching the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, claiming to be from Jesus Christ, but in reality, it's not from Jesus Christ. You understand that? I know, verse three, I know you are enduring pa- patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So, in other words, this church is teaching the right thing. Because you know what the right thing is? The most important thing in preaching the gospel it's telling people who Jesus is. That's where it all starts. Who is Jesus Christ? Is he God? Or is he less than God? He's God. He's God in human flesh. He came as a human being. He took on human flesh. That's what we call the incarnation. Took on human flesh, but in reality, he is God in the flesh. And so, so, so uh, John or Jesus actually uh, tells tells the um, tells the church. He says, "I have." He says, "I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, because everything that they do and all this right teaching and so forth they do is actually reflecting upon who Jesus is, and they know who he is, and they're teaching who he is, and so forth. They're getting it all right. They're the most orthodox church you can ever imagine. They got all the doctrine down, and you are so good at this. You haven't even grown weary yet. You're 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 holding seminars. You're 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 bringing people in on Saturdays, and you're and you're." Teaching something about who Jesus is. You're, you're, you're showing them, you know, I mean, the seven habits of godly people or whatever it would be. You're doing the right thing outwardly. Outwardly. And I think that the church in the United States has been doing the right things outwardly. We're great at holding seminars. We're, I'm always getting something in the, in, in, in the mail about some new conference, something to go to and get excited about. Some new way of doing ministry. I'll never forget when Alpha came along many years ago. I came from England, but it had an impact in our country. It had an impact in my ministry. And I used Alpha to try to win people to Jesus. And it worked to a certain degree. But there's always something new to do. There's always some new thing. And we want to jump on the new thing. When Willow Creek became the big new church, and they were reaching, uh, they were secret sensitive church, and they were reaching all these people for, for Christ who didn't go to church that was the new thing and so churches all over the country jumped onto that and they decided they needed to be like willow creek and so they you had all these seeker sensitive churches popping up and not only that you had churches that were trying to change from being traditional to seeker sensitive churches that was the new thing because you get the right program you get the new thing you just jump on it's a program but it's the new thing that God is doing because they're looking for God's hand in the world. And I think that those decisions and that desire to see God's hand is a good thing. It's a good thing to look for God's hand. It's not a bad thing to to see, oh, God's been doing something over there. Maybe if I apply that program over here, it'll work. I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I'm not trying to say that's bad. But it's not enough. It's not foundational. It's not even going to it, it's not even going to do the main thing. It's not the main thing. Because I think you know what the main thing is. And I think that no matter what happens in this church over the next 100 years, is if the church dwindles, if the church grows, the main thing is what matters. And what is that main thing? The main thing. Look at here at verse 4. Jesus says, But I have this against you. You're the most orthodox, teaching-oriented church that there is in this land. But I have this against you. There's something you're not doing right. There's something that's causing me to remove my hand from your ministry. There's something that's causing me to remove my hand from the church in the United States of America. There's something that's causing me to move my hand from the Western culture and it's this right here, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You just left it behind. You got so involved in your ministry, so involved in doing your thing, so involved in the, your, your little little worship seminar and teaching seminar and, 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 and whatever. Maybe even a prayer ministry. even prayer ministry can be that way. You s- I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. And all these things are good things. But you lost your first love. You lost that. And I don't care if the place is filled up with a billion people. If you don't love me, you're wasting your breath. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your actions. It's not what I want. You've abandoned your first love. Why would you do that? You know what's going to happen if you just continue in this cycle? I'm going to have to remove my hand from you. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the people in this church have been that way. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the church in the United States have been so distracted and are so in love with all of our gadgets and all of our things and all of our shows on TV and all the other things. And we love our own little agendas and our own little time that we have for ourselves. And we love all those things. We love our Facebook. We love all social media. We love all these things. that we don't, We've lost Jesus. We've lost our love for Jesus. And because we've lost our love for Jesus... God has said, maybe I can find someone somewhere else who will love me. Maybe those people in Rwanda who've been through misery will love me. And so we find people in Rwanda who are loving Him. Maybe there's people in China who will love me. I'll put my hand upon them and they begin to love me. This is serious business. The church is not another social institution. But the fact that you can look around and see empty pews tells you that that's the way the world looks at us. No. No, it's an indication that God is removing his hand. This is common, not just this church but throughout the United States. And certainly like in the district of the Nazarene churches, we're losing people every year. I don't know why that's happening, but I think it has something to do with abandoning our love for him. I do. And I certainly can speak for that or to that, and I would claim that for the United States in general, not in one particular church. This is not a message to try to make you feel guilty (laughs) at all. I don't know the answer. I don't know what it is. I know that there are a lot of pastors who have decided to leave ministry because churches are empty. I'm not one of those. But my heart is breaking. Okay. The reason why I was at the pew, this, uh, the altar rail this, this morning was because my heart's breaking. For the church. My brother doesn't know Jesus. My cousin doesn't know Jesus. The people who have been the most dear to me in my life, many of them, many of them have walked away from Jesus. And I only have one answer we need to love God and pray. That's it. I really appreciate the question. Because I don't mean to be bringing on any kind of false idea that somehow, if we do things right, like in some way, you know, that somehow there's any guarantee. There's no guarantee that a church will grow. God never promises that a church will grow, He does promise fruit. There's a difference. You have a question too, don't you? Mm. That's the question, isn't it? Yeah, Judy. Yes. I don't know. I don't know, but they're not here. Yeah, I don't know. and not even sure if I would have given this message. This message came to me like two um, two minutes before I got up to talk about it. And I just wanted to just, I think it's healthy for the church to know a little bit about what goes on in my heart. And maybe it's not a good thing. Yes, Randy? Mm-hmm. and he's pulling out of here because we don't have No, it's not yeah. well I think look around where God is moving people are getting saved other parts of the world I know but in reality the church is growing in China, the church is growing in Africa the church is going other places that's reality the church in the United States is shrinking the church in the United States has been in decline for many decades um, so I mean you know I interpret that, and I could be wrong, could be totally wrong. But I think I think something about that has to do with: are we living in a crazy culture? And I think that we are loving our culture more than we're loving Him. That's what I think. But I am I am just. This is one of these times where it's like I'm not I'm not being prophetic here. I'm not standing up and saying this is the truth but I hope that you are worried about it so that it'll change your prayer life. Okay. Wow, well, never, I've never preached anything and had questions involved in it like this. Okay? You know, I, but I hope that one thing that happens is that you, that you at least are concerned about this. I know that in Ephesus, God said that he's going to snuff out their lampstand if they lose their love. And I wonder if something of that in that measure or something of that kind is happening in the West, in Western culture. It happened in Europe. and It seems like it's been happening in the United States for the last several decades. I don't know. More so now, yeah. Tessie, you was gonna say something. You had a question. Oh, oh, never stop reaching out to others yeah i I hope so, I hope so and um Jesus said this to you know all the churches right in revelation uh there's always this warning um, and they needed to do the right thing, Especially five out of the seven churches were had had serious problems but um does anyone want to pray this morning? This Has this been like radical, like crazy, the pastor's lost his mind stuff? Or is this, you know? I mean, how can you not look around and wonder whether God's removing his hand? And what does that mean? How can you not? The church is... What's that? There were eight, but not every one of them are from our church. Okay? So again, let's be careful about applying this too much. This is my ministry here, and so you know, I, I kind of like have this personal attachment and concern for whether or not you know people come and are involved, you know. But let's be careful. Let's not make too grand theological like statements. And I know I'm edging on that or getting close to that. And I I, I apologize if that's the case because I I just kind of you know there's a part of me that, look there's a part of me that says look the church should be like we should be you know we should have two services now you know but that's it's not because of my skill or talent it just has to do with the fact that we pray that these things would happen we pray and ask that god would bless our church that's all and it just seems as though in our culture that that's not happening that's just not happening so uh be faithful though be faithful love him that's really the answer and what does it love look like love looks like um Love looks like this. I'll tell you what love looks like. Love looks like going to a guy like my buddy here, yeah. letting him know that I love him. I love him too. Right? <laughs> that's what love looks like. Yeah. Because we see Jesus in the face of others. Right? That's who we are. We're Jesus to one another. That's. I think that's what love looks like. And of course, our personal time with him. Getting on our knees, having our devotional times, and so forth. So... So fall in love with Jesus again you know we can't change whether people come here or not we can't change whether whether the church gets us act together in this country we can't change any of these things but we can pray we can ask the Lord to reach out to those who are around us um, and uh, if you have any answers or any word a word from the Lord please come tell me because I do want to be faithful and I don't want to disturb the church. I want the church, I want to encourage the church. And I really hope this is not a message of discouraging you. I really hope. Let's pray. Can we do that? Father, we uh we love it when your hand is upon us. May it never be that I would say things that would um, cause some sort of blame or some sort of false guilt or or belittle in any way the church that we have right here in this place. May it never be that way. You love us, and you you love this church. But Lord, I know that when you walked this earth, you were always disturbed when people heard the word but did not respond the way that they were supposed to respond. And Lord, I think I see that all the time. I think I see it. I'm not sure what all that means. I know that for me, I'm called to be faithful in the ministry that you've given me. And we're called to be faithful in the ministry that you've given us. So would you please... Show us your hand. Fill this place. Maybe it's not with people. Maybe there's even fewer people next week. That's okay. But we want to know that you're here. And we want to know that you're moving. We lift up the church in our nation. We know that our nation is really Struggling in so many ways. And the church, I think, has been falling in love with our culture. And so we, can, we tend to bend to it rather than being prophetic and loving you faithfully. Lord, I ask that no one would receive what I said as a, as a message of condemnation. That wasn't the point. But I ask that you would inspire us to pray and to love one another. Because we don't want to abandon the love that you've given us and the love that we have for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.